St. Joseph's Health presents another edition of its podcast, St. Joseph's Health Medcast. Although heart disease is sometimes thought of as a man's disease, almost as many women as men die each year of heart disease in the United States, and it's the leading cause of death in women. We'll be hearing all about what women need to know about heart health today from Dr. Nelly Kazaz, a cardiologist with St. Joseph's Health. Dr. Kazaz, thanks very much for joining us. Do you think most women are aware how much of a risk heart disease is for them? Thank you for having me. I think you used the magic word, awareness, uh, which I always talk in public and in my office and in the hospital about. The awareness of the importance of uh, heart disease in women is the key factor. Unfortunately, there were a lot of misconceptions and myths surrounding heart disease in women, including that it's a man's disease or I'm too young or I'm too fit or I'm too healthy to have heart disease. Disease, but uh, heart disease looks like all of us. We can be at any age or any size or shape, particularly if we have a predisposition, including uh, family history. While uh, most women live to fear breast cancer, one in three American women will die from cardiovascular related illnesses. And it continues to be the leading cause of death in the United States. Uh, there are more women die from heart disease than all cancers, respiratory diseases, and Alzheimer combined. But I always say enough of the bad news. The best news is that 80% of heart disease is preventable and there are modifiable factors that we can do to adjust our risk. The things we can't change is we will age, and as we age, our risk of heart disease will increase. And our family history, we can't change who our parents are and what we inherit. But all the other factors, including our blood pressure, our cholesterol, our lifestyle, our weight, our uh, habits, including smoking, drinking, can all be modified. So those are all the main risk factors, it sounds like to me, that you just ticked off there. Quitting smoking, obviously, is hugely important. If you have high blood pressure, what's the way to manage that? So most important thing uh, that I recommend is to know your numbers because a lot of the patients that I talk to would not be able to provide me with what their blood pressure uh, normally is or their cholesterol is. So first of all, knowing your numbers. Second of all, starting risk factor modification with lifestyle, including losing weight, lowering your salt intake, increase exercise, lowering this level of stress in life, including meditation or yoga, are very helpful in lowering blood pressure. A lot of times we're not successful just by modifying the lifestyle, then we will consider medications because that's the only available option for treating hypertension. I want to touch a second on the exercise piece that you mentioned because I think it's surprising to people that even just a little bit can make a difference. Sometimes I think people figure, well, I have to become a runner for it to make an impact. But really, just walking several times a week can help, right? Absolutely. And I always mention to patients, it's great that you run or you 
carry heavy weight. But for your heart health, all what you need is to walk uh, or increase your heart rate 30 minutes, preferably up to five times a week. And everything matters, including parking your car a couple of spots away. I use the standing desk in my uh, office uh, to be able to stand instead of sit while I'm reading or answering emails and triages. And I try to move my legs at the time and all of these things will count, absolutely. For women who are listening to all these lifestyle changes like exercise, but also diet, and you talked about smoking and some other things, who may feel a little bit overwhelmed by it, what do you tell your patients to do in terms of just getting started? Sure. First of all, it's not about our size or our weight, it's really about our health. And that should be your goal. And every small uh, change in your lifestyle habits will matter. Any major diet will work, but unfortunately, we gain the weight back. So I always talk to them about minor changes that they can live by. I recommend to lose about a half a pound a week, which sounds very easy to do, but it will add up to 26 pounds a year if we make minor changes that we can stick to. I always recommend to follow a healthy lifestyle change, meaning making a small change at a time and not major changes that we can't live by. I highly recommend Mediterranean diet. I always inform them of the importance of increasing uh, the food that is known to lower our bad cholesterol, including olive oil, avocados. There were studies made on avocados that are, if they're eaten regularly, they can lower our bad cholesterol up to 13 points, which is better than some medications. Also, avoiding excessive red meat, uh, dairy products, and obviously fried food. You're listening to Dr. Nelly Kazaz. She's a cardiologist with St. Joseph's Health. We're talking about women's heart health today. And let's talk about symptoms because I think a lot of people probably are aware that obviously chest pain is a big symptom. They hear about arm pain, maybe dizziness. But there are other things to watch out for. And the symptoms can be different for women, right, than men? Absolutely. Although, as with men, women's most common symptom is chest pain or discomfort, but we are more likely than men to experience atypical symptoms. It can be as simple as fatigue, which is unexpected or sudden. We can have nausea. We're more likely to have jaw pain caused by heart disease or upper back pain between the shoulder blades. Occasionally, I see patients complaining of dizziness, particularly with activity. So the atypical presentation of women will definitely make it harder to, first of all, seek medical help. And then the bias in in actual workup and diagnosis, which will delay the treatment, and most likely that's what leads to the worst outcome in women with heart disease, even if they present with such symptoms. So do you mean like some medical professionals might not even pick up on the fact that it could be a heart problem? First 
of all, yes, because of the atypical presentation, like if we present to emergency rooms, once you say you're having chest pain, the triage nurse will place you on the highest uh, emergency level. But if you present with fatigue or nausea, that will create a delay in the treatment. And unfortunately, up to 26% of women will die within the first year after they present with heart attack compared to only 19% of men will die in that first year. And there are a lot of things we're not certain of the reason, but definitely the delay in initiation of treatment or getting the help or getting the appropriate management, including blood pressure medications, cholesterol medications, aggressive lifestyle modification, referral to cardiac rehabilitation, we tend to see that women are less likely to receive all of that than men. So for women listening to this and they're thinking about you know, the symptoms and how they can be different. Would you say that, okay, you've got chest pain. If you have one of those, you should call 911 or what guidance would you give folks about that? Sure. Of course, 911 is always an option, but that's in acute cases. All what I tell my patients and my friends and my community is that let the professional decide. If it is a false alarm, you think you're just tired because let the professional decide. And we don't mind you coming with a symptom that turned out to be a false alarm and your heart is healthy, but at least give us a chance to evaluate you and give you the appropriate advice. The second thing I would say, you have to know your numbers. If I don't know what my blood pressure is or what my cholesterol is or what my blood sugar is, how do I really know that I'm healthy or am I at higher risk for heart disease than the average person? or not. So that speaks to getting regular checkups, I would think. Absolutely. And that's where it starts with primary care physicians, getting at least an annual physical, knowing your baseline numbers. And of course, whenever there you develop any new symptoms, you can start with your primary care physician and then they can refer you to the appropriate subspecialist if needed. Dr. Kazaz, you mentioned before that getting older itself is a risk factor. How much should people maybe worry about getting checked more regularly as they get into their 50s or 60s? Or at what point should you be paying more attention, do you think? As we get older, we obviously are at higher risk of a lot of diseases. And that's what we concentrate on. People will say, I never had hypertension. Unfortunately, hypertension is one of the diseases that will happen as we age because of the hardening of our arteries. So even if we never had hypertension, our risk of blood pressure increase with age. For women in particular, after menopause, there is a change in our cholesterol levels that happen secondary to the hormonal changes that we can't control. So even if we were healthy in our 40s or even early 50s, as we get older, we definitely need more attention to details, more routine follow-ups, more preventive care, because there are changes that happen to our body that we cannot modify, but we definitely can modify the outcome. Very good advice for people listening to this to take heed of. You've been listening to Dr. Nellie Kazaz. She's a cardiologist with St. Joseph's Health. And to learn more about cardiovascular services at St. Joseph's, you can visit everybeatmattersjh.org. Dr. Kazaz, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. This has been St. Joseph's MedCast from St. Joseph's Health. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for listening.